Blog Talk Radio. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if our music would start when it was supposed to? And probably about halfway through this sentence, the music will start. I got the spinning wheel of death going right now. But welcome. Welcome back. I've been gone a long time. Um, so we had the Hoodoo Rootwork Festival last week. So I was gone last week. And the week before, we had a business to attend to. So it's been a little while since I've been here. Welcome to the uh, Crystal Silence League Hour. I am your jovial host, Reverend John St. Germain, and tonight we are going to talk about, and here's our theme music, so I'll be back in just a moment. I'd be back. Man, it would be nice if Blog Talk worked. I have this button I push. You know, it says Blog Talk Radio, and I have this button I push, and then it's supposed to start immediately. But sometimes there's this hang time that just spins and spins and spins, like your laundry does when you put it on spin cycle. It goes around and around and around, and nothing happens. So rather than having this long airtime, because, you know, on radio, silence is deadly. I start talking, and the wheel spins and spins and spins like the wheel of fortune, and then at some point, the music starts, or it may not, and you never know. Yeah, I never know with Blog Talk Radio. So tonight, we're continuing our discussion of the tarot, the major arcana, and you know, my grandmother's called the taru, the taru, which I think is very exotic the Taru, and people have, uh, do you read Tarot? Do you read the Tarot? Rhymes of Parrot. Do you read the Tarot? And um, uh, I usually pronounce it Taro, T-A-R-O, Taro. And there are people who correct me. It's Taro. It's Taru. It's uh, uh, Taro, Taru, Taru, and all that stuff. But I'll say it any damn way I please, and I usually pronounce it Taro. That's how it's spelled, T-A-R-O. Taro, and it's originally Italian, Tarocci, and it's Italian, pronounce that final T, it's Tarot, if it's Italian, it's Tarot, it's like the opera Turandot, you do pronounce the T in Turandot, people, people like to like to be exotic and say uh, the Puccini opera Turando, nope, listen to it, whenever they pronounce, whenever they sing her name, the princess's name, Turandot, you do pronounce the T. The T is not silent in Italian. It would be if it were French. So the word taro is Italian. Since it was tarocci, it would be tarot. I may start pronouncing it that way. And when people, oh, it's taro, really? What's the root? Tarocci, Italian, tarot. Let's all start doing it, pronouncing it tarot. They'll set us apart from the hoi polloi. But anyway, tonight we're going to talk about the lovers. Trump six, and if we have time, we'll talk about the chariot. Trump seven, and we'll discuss that. But first, why don't we talk about our uh, crystal of the week, which is uh, uh, almondine? And 
you may recognize Almondine by other name, uh, Red Garnet. And Garnet used to be uh, mistaken for ruby. People would dig it up and go, oh, my God, I'm rich, I'm rich. But And Garnet does, oh, it's a beautiful stone. Uh, you can buy it in jewelry. You know, you'll get Garnet rings that are cut and polished, uh, Garnet pendants, and it looks like a ruby. It really does. And it's one of my favorite red stones. I have lots of them. And uh, I like them in their raw form. I like stones in their raw form. I, I don't necessarily like them tumbled and polished, so they are pretty. Uh, if you get a, a, a globe, you get an orb, a sphere, they're usually cut and polished. And all right. Um, but the uh, garnet is a very hard stone, too. And uh, the garnet is an excellent stone. It's a very energizing stone. It will revivify you. If your energy is low, it does resonate with the root chakra, after all. And it will uh, um, <clears throat> it will um, uh, help you in things such as uh, – it, it can help you uh, get your, your zest back. If you feel uh, tired and dispirited, you can uh, carry this with you. It will help you with your uh, sexual potency and your libido. It can uh, help you – if you feel insecure, if you feel threatened, it can restore a sense of security and safety. Um, it, um, it helps you if you're practicing kundalini yoga. It helps you rise, raise the kundalini. Uh, it can help you feel secure in relationships. It can help you reach out and connect with others in relationships. Um, it can help strengthen your willpower. If you make an infusion, uh, do, do it the uh, indirect way. Uh, I'm thinking you should always do that. Uh, you know, you got to be careful with stones. There are certain stones that react with water. Like if you put iron pyrite in water, and this is a danger in mines, for instance, uh, mines that have iron pyrite, uh, you know, water reacts with iron pyrite and makes sulfuric acid. <laughs> Did you know that? So if you make an infusion with iron pyrite, you should always use this uh, indirect method. You, you're creating sulfuric acid. That's not what you want to drink. So uh, study up on your stones and see the ones that don't react well with water. Uh, selenite and water, you wind up with sand. It just dissolves into mush. Uh, that's the least of your worries. Some of, these, some of them become very toxic if you put them in water. So I always use the indirect method. I put them in a, uh, in a bottle and do it indirectly. But the method I've been using of late is just get a wine bottle that has the indentation in the bottom. That's called the foot. And I stack my crystals on a plate and put the wine bottle over it and then fill it with the water and let it uh, uh, infuse through the uh, bottom of the bottle. Uh, add a few drops of brandy, and uh, I've been putting flower petals like the Bach Flower Remedy uh, for different uh, conditions. I'll, I'll infuse flowers and herbs with the water as well and uh, make, make kind of a triple infusion this way and uh, decant them, a little bit of brandy in there. Of course, if you're like me, you put uh, three fingers of brandy and a little bit of water. But that's another story. I, I won't bore you with my uh, my alcoholism. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, – I'm not an alcoholic, not really. I just take a drink now and again. Uh, you think garnet is revivifying, you should take a shot of cognac. That, that does the same thing. We are the Crystal Silence League, and um, – the Crystal Silence League was established around 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon and uh, for the purpose of projecting positive prayer and affirmation to those in need. And by all means, by all means, uh, go to the gift shop or go to Amazon and get our book, Secrets of the Crystal Silence League. Uh, I did a presentation on this at our Hoodoo Heritage Festival last weekend. And taught techniques with a small crystal. If you attended that, you got a little free crystal ball about, oh, about half an inch or three quarters of an inch in diameter. And uh, I taught folks how to use one. And our book is filled with secrets and techniques and a, a great um, companion to crystal magic and lith lithomancy uh, written by me. And uh, with these three books, uh, they can change your life if you learn the techniques in this book. Um, 
and you can go to crystalsilenceleague.org, www.crystalsilenceleague.org, and see um, our website. And we all, we're also on Facebook. And if you go to the crystalsilenceleague.org, you'll notice we have a page called Prayer Requests. And if you go there, you'll see uh, many prayers. We get sometimes 100 to 200 prayers a week. Prayer is always free. We do have a gift shop, and that's not free, but you can uh, buy stuff there. And you get a free copy of that book with any purchase over $12, which is very nice, isn't it? So if you will, you can join me in prayer. I never read names out loud, but I do read the prayer number out loud. And why don't you join me? We will start with prayer ID number 83018, who needs prayer for finances says I'm trying to get ahead I know for a fact this prayer site is real we have some true prayer warriors on here and around the world pray that my monthly payment on my MasterCard and Dillard's Express card payments go down and not up and also pray that I'll be blessed financially I need some help I'm on a fixed income amen and then we have another prayer for financial assistance prayer ID Three zero one seven. who says, please pray that I am able to come up with $1,000 to pay the rest of my bills for this month. Amen. And prayer ID 83014. I ask everyone pray that I get approved for a military veterans diversion on my case, please. Amen. And here we have prayer ID 83013, who prays. Dear St. Jude, thank you for answering my prayers. I love you so much. I appreciate you. Hugs and kisses. Amen. And prayer ID 83012, who says, I'm going on months now of dreaming about the same person every night, and that person would be my ex. I wanted to go to therapy to avoid this mess, but he did not want to heal from our mistakes, so I have to walk away. It's been four months. Jesus, I would like to go to therapy with M as soon as possible. Bring M, my love, back to me as a changed man. Restore our loving relationship. Selah, I sing. May all your blessings arrive in praying for me and M. Amen. Prayer ID 83011. Please pray for me. I know that Jesus Christ is healing me because by his stripes we are healed. My issues are that I am totally disabled and have issues of a very sick vagus nerve. I get migraine headaches and constipation and other muscular issues. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and it is wonderful. Amen. And prayer ID 83009. May Michael and April, oh, I thought that was St. Michael, may M and A. Find comfort and solace after receiving the terrible news that M's mother has a terminal diagnosis. May M's mother find joy and love in her remaining days, and may the days be many where she is pain-free. Amen. Prayer ID 83008. Facing the end of my marriage, and although I do not want this divorce, it's necessary if I want to live more fully. My heart is broken. Praying for strength and courage and grace through this process and for comfort. Amen. Prayer ID 83007. I pray that my relationship exits this toxic cycle of miscommunication, anger, and running from resolution. Amen. Prayer ID 83006. If I am deserving, please help connect my old clients and new clients to my pet sitting business. Amen. Prayer ID 83002. Please bless CM with strength, patience, and the perseverance needed to get through this painful time. Let the love that surrounds her lift her up. So she can heal completely and have a peaceful life with her child. Whisper hourly in her ear that she can get through it all successfully. Amen. Prayer ID 83000. 
please pray for R.H.S. and Judge A.G. to rule in my favor for my child custody case or for the case to be dismissed. Thank you. Well, let's have one more. Prayer ID 82998. I would like prayers for my children, grandchildren, and myself for our protection, health, and finances. Also, special prayers for my daughter, who will be traveling 18 hours from Australia to the USA for safe travel. And also for her daughter, whom she's leaving behind for her protection or safety. Let's have a moment of prayer and meditation for all those in need, all those in need of comfort and affirmation and protection. Amen. Let's say a prayer for Blog Talk tonight, too. I'm trying to get the chat window open. Uh, I could not get it open earlier. And I don't know if I can or not. We're certainly trying. Um, It seems to be struggling to open, and maybe we can get it open. Sometimes we get a few people in the chat room, and sometimes we just don't. So, um, and uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's open. I don't know. I can't seem to type a message in it, but, you know, maybe it is. We'll see. Well, tonight we're talking about information and stuff about the Tyrone. We'll start with the lover's card. And uh, in my opinion, uh, the lover's card is one of the most misunderstood cards, one next to the fool, I think, and the um, – In the major arcana, it's it's easy to take it on face value, like the fool. You know, a fool seems like a fool. You look at it, go, oh, you're about to make a mistake, about to do something foolish. When what we know is uh, traditionally the fool represents those who step outside of the stricture of society and go off on their own. It represents the person who follows the spiritual path, and one of its more deeper interpretations. You know, you're about to step out from solid society to the spiritual path. And many people who do that are considered foolish. Uh, the lovers is very similar to that. It's easy to look at that and say, well, you're uh, you're about to have a, a love affair. You're about to, have, you know, romance. And it's fair to say that on on some level it can mean that. It depends on the context. If someone says, "Am I?" The question is, "Am I about to meet somebody?" And that comes up. You could say that, but the lover's history 
if you look at its story, if you look at it historically, it means a lot more than that. Oh my gosh, yes. So um, we look at the Ryder Waite deck, and we, we know that um, Arthur Waite and Pamela Smith revisioned the tarot and made um, lots of changes to it. They revisioned it. They brought uh, a new kind of interpretation to it. And the lovers, it's probably the most dramatic in the reinterpretation and changes. We saw what they did with the magician. The magician was a conjurer. He was a David Copperfield type of magician. He was doing tricks. He was, In fact, he was doing the cups and balls, which is a trick where, similar to the three-shell game, you had uh, three cups and a little ball would be placed under one cup and jump to another. You've, you've seen magicians do it probably. Um, uh, he would make the ball disappear and it would appear under one cup or he'd put it under one cup and return to another. And then at one point, uh, the little red ball might turn into uh, a lemon. At the end, you pick the cup up and there's a lemon or a baby chick or a, uh, a baseball or something. It's a totally surprising effect. So, uh, but Arthur Waite and Pamela Smith transformed our uh, conjurer from a David Copperfield type of magician to an Albert Dumbledore type, a wizard, which totally changes the way you would interpret it. Although if you know the history, the context of your reading may hearken back to that, uh, that meaning, right? You may say, okay, things are not what it seems because haven't we seen in wizardry that uh, sometimes the wizard can be a shapeshifter? Sometimes the wizard does do trickery and deception. Uh, sometimes there is illusion involved in wizardry. So even the uh, real wizards often will make things disappear because the conjurer imitates real magic. The uh, So if we know the history of these cards, we can draw upon their history. Well, the lovers is the same. Um, in the Tower of Versailles, uh, from Versailles, we see a young man who's just been struck by Cupid's arrow. Um, but there's a difference here. He's forced to choose between two women. There are two women, one man, and he's been struck by Cupid's arrow. What happens in this situation when you're courting two women and Cupid strikes you with an arrow? Now, uh, in the Rider Waite deck, we see uh, a man and a woman, obviously Adam and Eve, and there's an angel presiding over them. And uh, most decks show uh, a social situation, uh, such as you and I might have, but the Rider Pack clearly shows Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Um, but this is a isn't this, though, an idealistic Garden of Eden? This is not the one where Adam, Adam and Eve were, were thrown out. This shows more of a um, Garden of Eden that is regained. This angel is not throwing them out. This angel is welcoming them. This is Eden re regained. This is a redemption of Eden. So we, we see a much different message, a much different message here. So the earlier version of uh, Trump number six uh, actually does sometimes bear the title rather than the lovers. It bears the title of the choice and in um, d divination in the past represents an important choice between two opposing but equally attractive desires. Because one woman is fair and the other dark, there's a, a symbolism that's traditional in Europe, especially in Spain and Italy, where darkness always indicates evil or temptation. So the choice was seen as between something respectable but dull and something greatly desired but improper. 
So this card can refer to maybe a minor choice or a major choice, either one. And we see this ancient conflict in novels and films, uh, stories, the old story, Tristan and Isolde, the old story where perhaps a middle-aged man is torn between the security of his 25-year-old marriage, his 25-year-old marriage, and the temptation of a young, wild, sexually alluring uh, girl torn between the safe path, the safe but boring path, and the wild but dangerous path. And I will tell you that this is an interpretation that many, many people relate to when the lovers comes up. Many people. And it doesn't always have to mean uh, a love path torn between the safe path, the secure, the path of security, but unfulfilling, or the dangerous path, but exciting, the risky path, but exciting. Um, and this choice can extend to, to you, not only just to, uh, an immediate choice, but your entire life. This can represent your entire life. Those people who never question the boundaries of their middle class respectability, the opinions of other people. They've never made a choice as much as uh, someone who's made a risky uh, decision to live on the outskirts of the law. You know, someone who uh, live, uh, let's say, uh, a bootlegger. Let's say someone who might sell marijuana for a living before it was legal. There are many people who are outwardly live socially accepted lives, yet inwardly struggle with um, torments of desire to do something that if their friends, if their boss, if their family knew about it, would um, raise a few eyebrows, right? Urges of uh, adultery, violence, or maybe just a desire to throw their tie away, leave their office and just wander around as a vagabond. Uh, king of the road but on this spiritual level there's a choice between the light and dark path there's the outer path which in the rider pack we've seen has uh, been represented by the, the, the Arafat where your whole life is laid out for you you you, you have this whole set of rules um, you know like a People who make a career in the military, you're told when to get up, told when to go to bed, told when to eat, told what to do. Sometimes people uh, who have, make a career in the military, they, re they retire, and then they don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, that schedule, that uh, regimen is gone, right? Uh, your life is laid out for you. And then there's the inner path of the occultist. And we know that when you go inward – when you meditate, you go inward. You come face to face with your darkest self, your desires, you know, the things that tempt you. And this is why so few people take the inner path. So few people meditate. Because when you look at yourself and you look inward, you look back, and sometimes you don't like what you see when you confront your darkest desires. It's very scary. Very scary. You know, the um, the traditional church labeled uh, wizards and magicians and cultists uh, and spiritualists, spiritualist devil worshippers, and um, and the, all the uh, Christian stories and legends and myths. The dark woman usually was an allegory for Satan. So in this lover's card, we see the choice between light and dark in the most general and widest uh, interpretation. So in the context of the first, um, the beginning, this is like number six out of 21, 
as you if you look at this as a series of steps of evolution, um, <clears throat> this could very well be the very the, the very first and most important decision a person makes once they are free of their the parental and societal restrictions. Um, we're burdened by the expectations of our parents and our teachers and society as we grow up. We we want we want their approval. We may say we don't, but we do. We want the approval of our parents. We want our parents to say, we're proud of you. These are the things we expect of you. The teachers do it. Society does it. As we get older, we start to have urges. We have sexual urges. We have a glimmering of, of something out there on the horizon we work for. And these may be in direct conflict with what is expected of us, right? So here we have the light path and the dark path the left-hand path and the right-hand path. So as a result, we begin to break away from these expectations. If we, if we go along with what's expected of us, our parents' expectations, our parents' religion, uh, what society expects of us, we may find ourselves desperately unhappy. Or maybe not. Maybe we're in perfectly alignment with it. Maybe we take the light path, you know, the... Um, the, the path of lightness. But for those who take the left-hand path, called the left-hand path, and they try to take the right-hand path, they become desperately unhappy. It's not them. So it's very rare that the partners our parents choose for us are the ones we choose for ourselves, right? Our parents say, oh, you should, uh, you know, here's uh, the Smith's son, the Smith's daughter. They're perfect for you. We might not think so. And a lot of the Conflicts many of my clients have is that their parents would rather they marry someone else or go with someone else than the person they choose. Didn't you date somebody that your parents didn't approve of, but thought they were just perfect for you? Uh, I, I, I did. My mom always tried to break up my relationship. She she hated almost everyone I ever dated. Um, she was a Virgo, though nobody was ever good enough for her her sons. So. The dark-haired woman also appears older in these cards. And um, so perhaps this is a choice, and this is why I brought my mom up, perhaps this represents a choice between the mother and the lover, which some people have brought up. Um, people who like to drag Freud and Jung into these cards, and the choice is to stay uh, at home with mom or strike out on her own. And at this point, we start to bring Joseph Campbell into the picture where the boy has to steal the key from under the mother's pillow and strike out on the hero's journey. And this is not a path I care to go on. I do not want to bring the hero's journey into the tarot. I really don't want to do that. But we start to. Uh, and uh, also, if we start to bring Freud in, we have to go into the Oedipus thing, the Oedipal dilemma. And I, I just don't want to go there with this. So, uh, But there is this choice. Do you stay home with mom or do you go out with a woman, you go a woman. And I think that it, there is a thing where you do compare your first wife, your first lover with your mom. You do compare her. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't go as far as Freud and say, you know, you want to marry your mother. You don't, you want to marry someone like your mother, but you do compare, you know, you do compare. Uh, the man does compare his first woman with his mother and the woman learns about men through the father. And that's why it's very important that your relationship with your parents should be good. And unfortunately, it's not a lot of times. Uh, you come from a dysfunctional family, your relationships with the opposite sex or the same sex, you know, if, if you're into same-sex relationships, it's going to be uh, uh, terribly dysfunctional and will require um, uh, examination and repair. But whether or not the boy secretly desires his mother, as Freud uh, says, um, the life lived under the parents' protection ideally is, is sheltered. It's safe and comfortable. But, um, but the child will basically face the same questions, uh, although it's sometimes couched in different forms, right? You, you can never become a true individual without making a break from your parents. You can never be yourself, your true self until you break away from your parents. And nothing 
nothing is going to define this more than your sexuality. How you express your sexuality will determine most strongly how you break away from your parents. So the traditional version of the lovers represents adolescence. Your, your, sexu- your choice of sexuality. That's the traditional. But not only does sexuality emerge at the time of adolescence, but also your intellectual and moral independence. So along comes card six. The choices that are made that determine your individuality. Your, your first glimmer of your true personality with its own ideas and its own purposes, its own goals, its own desires. And this does not necessarily mean physical adolescence, but developmental adolescence. You can be 27 years old and be developmentally 16. You know what I mean by that? Don't, don't you know people who are 30 years old and they're developmentally 16? They haven't grown up yet. So we see the emergence of the individual making the choice between safety and the very risky thing of following the path that leads to your individuality. Not doing what the parents expect of but that thing out there on the horizon that's your true destiny. This is in the lover's card. Not, oh, you're about to meet a tall, dark, handsome man and move to Tupelo, Mississippi and have a family and a pup and a dog. The Miss Cleo reading, I call that. That's the card's traditional structure. So in designing their own version of the lover's card, Waite and Coleman address a different question. What functions do sex and love ultimately serve in a person's life? And that's a very deep question. We sometimes just take it for granted. You know, if I have a lover, uh, you know, if I'm in love and have sex, and this is something clients think, you know, what do you need to be happy? Oh, if I just had, you know, a good relationship, you know, if I had a lover, if love and sex, I'd be happy. What meanings can we find in this drama represented in this card? Two people, two people. It could be a man and a woman, a man and a man woman and a woman, two people in love, joining their hearts and their bodies. This basic drama repeated again and again and again. The basis almost of of every story, almost every story boils down to two people in love and the complications, the conflicts, the drama, the resolution, the card of human love finding the truth and the beauty, often the tragedy of the story. So our sexual drive leads us away from isolation to joining. It pushes us to form these, these vital relationships with other people. And it finally opens the way to love. And love is how we connect to other people. So we, through this love and through the sexual drive, we achieve a unity with someone else. But we're also given a glimpse of this greater meaning of why we're here, to love and to be loved. People say, well, what's the purpose of life? Uh, what's the meaning? It's not, it's not very complicated. You know, why are we here? What's the purpose of life? We're here to love and to be loved. It's as simple as that. I don't make it any more complicated than that. So because in love, we give up part of that ego control, which isolates us not only from ourselves, but from other people and from the very process and the function of life itself. So in the Rider-Waite deck, the angel appears above the man and woman's head, which is a vision that we cannot attain individually, but when the two merge together, they form a blessed union. So religion, philosophy, art have always seized upon this image of male and female representing duality. Well, you've seen this in the magician, the high priestess duality, the emperor and empress duality. 
these have all been separate cards. Now for the first time, we see the duality represented in one card. So we have the symbolism to reinforce that the tree of life with the magician-like flames stands behind the man. The tree of knowledge entwined with the serpent, which is not, in this case, not a symbol of evil, but of unconscious wisdom behind the woman. And the angel unites these two principles. And in traditional teachings, men and women are held to contain within their bodies separate life principles. And through physical union, these principles join together. Now, this is a new concept to uh, people raised in a uh, Judeo-Christian, uh, or at least a Christian uh, uh, tradition, but occultists have always recognized both these elements within the self. Um, today, psychology uh, recognizes that everyone contains both male and female qualities, uh, but often this is very vaguely um, understood. They're talking about social behavior, like uh, aggression and gentleness, um, uh, empathy and uh, aggression, things like this. But uh, among in uh, occultic belief, uh, male and female, um, seen as opposites in their deepest nature, it's much more radical. Uh, so one way of describing the goal of the major arcane is to say it brings out and unites the male and female principles. So in many decks, the dancer in the world, Trump 21, is hermaphroditic, hermaphroditic or sexually ambiguous. So um, uh, according to Kabbalists and uh, hermetic philosophers, all humanity uh, and even God, himself, God itself uh, was originally hermaphroditic. Male and female became separated only as a consequence of the fall from grace. Uh, you may remember that Plato said the same thing and that we're always trying to reunite. So on this outer level, each of us is only half a person. And only through the expression of love can we find a sense of unity. Um, the Platonic myth states that humans were originally double creatures, but of three kinds. Male, female, male, male, and female, female. And um, so that believing that humans possess too much power, Zeus hurled a thunderbolt and uh, split everyone apart. And now each one of us is looking for his or her other half. It's a very interesting model when you think about it. Because this ancient Greek model gave three types of union male-female, male-male, and female-female. Very open-minded, these Greeks. So in contrast to this Jewish and Christian myth, Plato's story gives equal reality to homosexuals. Isn't that a wonderful thing? How in light, 3,000 years ago, and we're regressing these days into this goddamn medieval uh, my wife's afraid it's turning to Gideon, you know, like Handmaid's Tale, and she may be right. You know, she may be right. I don't think it's going to get that far. Uh, people, people are going to rise up. It's going to be a, it's, there's going to be a rejection of what's happening now. Uh, no, I, I'm not going to go there. The magician and the high priestess are mixed very subtly in each of us, and this angel can be evoked by any two lovers. This divine power. Any two lovers can call upon this, and we see this in tantric traditions. And uh, any kind of love magic, um, sex magic traditions, it's not the roles that matter. It does not matter. The roles do not matter. But the reality and sincerity of the union. So in the usual Christian interpretation of Genesis, Eve bears the greater guilt not only because she ate first, but because her sensuality tempted Adam to, to, fail, to fall, right? Man supposedly was ruled by reason and woman by desire. So the split led some Christians to declare that woman had no souls. This is, uh, again, we're talking about back in the medieval days. And this whole myth of the fall, with its emphasis on disobedience and punishment, is really meant to serve a repressive and medieval morality. 
physical passions were seen as dangerous to society and therefore had to be controlled. And uh, Joseph Campbell uh, pointed out in the Masks of God, the ancient goddess religion of Palestine contained the same drama of a serpent, a tree of life, and an apple. But in that story, the initiate was given the apple by the goddess to allow him to enter paradise. To enter paradise rather than being the cause of his expulsion. So the ancient Hebrews reversed the myth, partly as a way of branding the old religion as evil, but also because they, like the Babylonians, considered the old ways monstrous. But the tarot is a path of liberation. The fear that Yahweh expresses that human beings will become like us is precisely the tarot's purpose, to, br to help bring out the divine spark in us and unite it with our conscious selves, and to end this duality of God and human and make them one, to unify human and God. Because, you know, we're looking at the mystical orders that sprang up around this time, right? Therefore, although it keeps much of the same symbolism as Genesis, the Rider Pack lovers reverses the meaning. They are entering paradise, not leaving it. So while the man looks at the woman, the woman looks at the angel. If the male is indeed reason, then rationality can only reach beyond its limits through the medium of passion. And by its nature, reason controls and contains, while passion tends to break down all limits. So our tradition has set the body and the rational mind at odds with each other. And the tarot teaches us that we must unite them. So the single mountain rises between the two lovers, and that's not the controlling power of reason that raises the senses to a higher level, but rather it's the other way around. And so we can see this in directly psychological terms. Most people are bound within their egos with the masks they present to the world. They define themselves by these roles. But if they can surrender to sexual passion, they can at least for a moment transcend that isolation. They can merge with another person. And those who cannot release their egos, even for that instant, those who misuse sex, and are misused by it, can never know this union. Sex becomes a mean of gaining power over someone else, but it never satisfies. There's nothing lonelier than that. And when a person rejects the body's desire to release itself with another person altogether, the result is a desperate and lonely depression. A terrible thing. And I have seen it. I have seen it, and it is a terrible, terrible thing. Um, um, this angel has been excluded from paradise. And at the same time, the passions alone cannot bring us the angel. Sexual indulgence will not do it. There must be, these passions must be guided by reason as much as the re reason needs to, the passions to set it free. Remember, this is a union. Those who simply go wherever their desires lead them are often thrown from one experience to the other. We see this in relationship addicts and sexual addicts. Um, those who just drift from relationship to relationship trying to capture the euphoria at the beginning of a relationship but never the commitment. This angel is often seen as Raphael who presides over the superconscious. And this brings us back to the triune mind, the triple mind. Here we learned that the three levels of the mind are not separate and isolated, the ego, the superego, and the id. But, are, but that the superconscious is actually a product of the conscious and unconscious joined together, just as the man and woman is. And the pathway lies to the unconscious because that is where we find the true energy of life. And in fact, the superconscious can be described as the energy of the unconscious brought out and transformed to a higher state. In Buddhism, this is called the store of mind becoming, a, it's a flip-flop. The conscious mind becomes subordinate to the store consciousness, and the Bodhi mind rises. It's called elevating the Bodhi mind. Part of that transformation lies in consciousness, giving energy, form, direction, and meaning. So in this triangular motif, the, the man, woman, and angel forms a triangle, the two figures below represent the dualities of life, while the, the angel above symbolizes a mediating force between them. And if there is a mediating force, 
that would be the tantric power of sexual love. And when we surrender to it, we experience a glimpse of something greater than ourselves. Only a glimpse, and only for a moment, because true liberation requires a great deal more than passion. But love can help us see that path and give us a taste that waits of that ecstasy that waits for us at the end of life. And a, a number of uh, mystics, uh, notably St. Teresa, have described with God in terms of sexual ecstasy. Have you ever seen the statue, the ecstasy of St. Teresa? Uh, look it up. And she is obviously having an orgasm. The divinatory meanings for the Wade Smith image are pretty straightforward. Uh, they refer not only to choice, but to the importance of love in a person's life, sometimes to a specific lover, very often to marriage or a long relationship. And this card implies that a particular relationship will be uh, have been or will be very valuable to the person. But more than that, this relationship will lead to a uh, a new understanding of life. It's a branch. It's a path. And if some specific problem is being considered in this reading, the lovers indicate help in some way, either practically through this person's assistance or through emotional support. But not always true. It's not always true. The lovers in the position of the past, especially if the cards around it indicate a refusal to look at the present situation, uh, can often indicate you're being held back by nostalgia or attachment to a past love, and you're trying to bring the past into the present, and it's not working. If we compare the Tarot of Marseille, we see that this is obviously a choice between the lessons of the past and the uncertainty of the future. And sometimes it just means that what happened in the past cannot predict the future. It just doesn't work. We have to strike out in a new direction. Very scary, a very scary proposition. We, we often want to do the same things over and over. You know, we say, well, these things worked before, and even if they didn't work before, it's what we know. And so we hold a little bit of ourselves back in reserve. We never give fully of ourselves in new endeavors. Uh, we're afraid. We're afraid of being hurt again. And is it possible to regain that childlike confidence to give yourself entirely to something? Is it possible to face the future without the conditioning of the past. I'm not saying it is or isn't. I was asking the question. Can you ask that question honestly? Can I enter a new situation, even though it's a situation I may have performed a hundred times before, without the conditioning of the past? If you've been in a relationship, if you've been in other relationships, and you've had dark things happen, can you enter a new one with optimism and hope and confidence without the past looming over you, without um, darkness, the dark lady? If you reach a fork in the road and one of it's clear, you see the end of it, you see if I go down this road, it's safe, well protected. At the end of it, it's the same stuff you've always had, but then there's a road that's not that well lit. You don't know what's at the end of it. But there's a thrill in you. There's a feeling in your stomach. You say, well, maybe there's something really nice down there. Maybe there's something nice. Maybe you've reached a point in your life where you're not as young as you used to be. And you think, I don't know if I have another adventure in me. I just really don't. And if you feel that way... Um, you know, maybe you're 45, maybe you're 50, and you think, I just don't know. Maybe I want the, the comfort of the armchair. Maybe I want that. I would refer you to a poem by Lord Tennyson, uh, Ulysses. I would refer you to that. 
uh, Ulysses was uh, the hero of a Greek um, uh, epic adventure, uh, the Odyssey, where he, for 25 years, he had all these adventures, and he went home to be a king, and, and it bored him. He didn't want to be a king anymore. So at an age probably well advanced, 55 or so, he gathered up his old soldiers, and he says, I'm going to go off with my old soldiers and have one last adventure. And he says, there lies the port, the vessel puffs her sails, there gloom the dark broad sea. My mariners, souls that have toiled and wrought and thought with me, that ever with a frolic welcome took the thunder and sunshine and opposed free hearts, free foreheads, you and I are old. Old age hath yet his honor and his toil. Death closes all, but something ere the end. Some work of noble note may yet be done. Not unbecoming men that strove with gods. The light begin to twinkle from the rocks. The long day wanes, the slow moon climbs, the deep moans round with many voices. Come, my friends, tis not too late to seek a newer world. Push off in sitting well in order smite the sounding furrows, for my purpose holds to sail beyond the sunset and the baths of the western stars until I die. It may be that the gulfs will wash us down. It may be we shall touch the happy isles and see the great Achilles whom we knew. Though much is taken, much abides. And though we are not now that strength which in old days moved earth and heaven, that which we are, we are. One equal temper of heroic hearts, made weak by time and fate, but strong in will, to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. And I'm going to leave you with that. And next week, we're going to take up the chariot, another card that has hidden depths. I'll leave you with a little bit of music, and I'll see you next week. The Reverend loves you. And off we go sailing into the sunset together.